Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Good morning, everyone. It's really great to be with you this morning. It's my pleasure today to be able to bring you the Word of God. And um, as part of our Gospel Encounter series, in the last couple of months, we've been looking at encounters that people had with Jesus uh, and the Gospel narratives. Um, there was no one that met Jesus whose life wasn't changed after meeting him. And for those of us that know him today, we would say the same, that our lives were turned upside down when we met Jesus, and they've never been the same since. Today, I'd like to look at um, Matthew's Gospel and chapter 9. So if you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 9 and verse 35, just want to read a few verses today to talk about um, an encounter that Jesus had with um, the people of Israel. Reading from verse 35, it says this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is one of my favorite verses um, in the book of Matthew. Um, And I think it really gets to the heart of Jesus's ministry. There's another verse in um, the book of Acts uh, 10, verse 38, where Luke says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And um, that's another verse that really sums up Jesus's ministry. Jesus um, brought the good news of the kingdom and he brought release to people. And that's as simple as it was for him. He was there to bring the good news that the kingdom of God had arrived and to release people from whatever was holding them captive. In these few verses that we've just read, it says when he saw, he had compassion for them. And that's what Jesus did. He came, he saw and he had compassion and his compassion caused him to move and to do things in order to bring release to those on whom he had compassion. And that's the mission that we've been given. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, we've been enlisted in his mission to do the same thing, to go with the good news, to see and to move with compassion to bring release to the oppressed. You know, people often say about Jesus that um, he took everyone at face value, that he just took people as he found them. And um, in some respects, he, he did take people as he found them. That's obvious. But I don't believe he took anyone at face value. In fact, I think in these verses that we have here, um, Matthew has said to us, um, we read in verse 36, that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. Now, you'd be forgiven for reading those few verses and thinking that Matthew is referring to those who were afflicted with every disease that had come to Jesus for healing. In other words, those with acute and obvious needs. But that's not what he says. He says that Jesus looked at the crowds and saw that they were harassed and helpless. In other words, Jesus didn't take anyone at face value, but he looked further than that. He looked deeper than that. He was able to look into the souls of everyone he met to see what was really going on in their hearts and in their lives. And for those of us that have been called to the mission of Christ, to do the same work that he did, he will equip us to do the same thing. You see, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, so everything he did in his ministry, he did with the Holy Spirit's help. 
When he looked upon the crowd, he saw more than that which was obvious, that which was just on the surface. He saw what was going on within everyone because the Holy Spirit would reveal that to him. And it's the same for us. Wherever we go, whoever we see, the Holy Spirit can reveal to us what's going on in their lives, can give us the words of life to bring to them, can let us um, set them free from anything that's holding them back by introducing them to Jesus. I believe that Jesus wants to equip each and one of each and every one of us to do the same things that he did and to have that compassion and to be able to release people. What did Jesus see when he looked at these crowds? Well, Matthew says that he saw that they were harassed and helpless. In other words, that's what was really going on in their hearts. But he also saw what the cause was. The cause was that they were like sheep without a shepherd. That's why they were harassed and helpless. They were shepherdless. And here we have the great shepherd who came and saw the lost sheep. He came to earth for those lost sheep and he came to bring them back to himself. And today he's still looking for those lost sheep. He's still looking for other sheep that are lost out in the world to bring them home so that they can know him and know his father God. And our role as believers is to be those who go out into the mission field as Jesus said, that we would pray for labourers to go in and get the harvest. There's so many people out there in need, and we need to be those who reach out to them with the gospel of the kingdom, with the good news to tell them that Jesus Christ is here to release them from anything that's holding them back and wearing them down. I'd like to look today just at these two words that Matthew chooses to use, um, harassed and helpless. Um, they sound pretty bad, don't they? Um, when you look at other translations, the first one, harassed, is sometimes translated as weary. That's the, the Holman, King, uh, Holman and the King James Version. The New Living translates them as confused. Uh, the CSB Version, that's a Christian Standard Bible, uh, uses the word distressed. And the Good News Bible uses the word worried. And they're all trying to... Um, uh, translate the same Greek word, which is skullo, and it means it means literally to skin something or to flay it um, or to rend it or mangle it. It sounds like a painful experience, doesn't it? And that, that was the idea with this word, um, that it meant when someone had become very vexed or troubled because that they felt that life had put them through the mangle. Maybe they just felt bruised and battered by life. And I think life comes with pressures, pressures that none of us can avoid. And this word is expressing something that builds up over time, is that the pressures of life come to bear on us. And over time, we start to feel harassed by things of life. We start to feel that all we're able to do is to cope with life rather than to thrive in life as God intended us to do. You know, recently I've been listening to um, a lot of the advice for the lockdown period. As I'm speaking to you, we're in the COVID-19 lockdown period. And a lot of the advice is to do with um, coping mechanisms during this period of isolation. And that's all fine, but God has an intention for each of us that we do more than just cope with life. No matter what the season, no matter where you are, even if you're in lockdown, even if you're isolated, God doesn't want you just to cope with life and to have mechanisms in your life that enable you just to cope with that. He wants you to thrive in all circumstances, despite the circumstances often is the case. 
And that's why Jesus said that I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus came to bring us life and life to the full. So we have to ask these people that were shepherdless, how did they become harassed and helpless? Well, I think one of the clues is this phrase that Matthew uses, sheep without a shepherd. And actually, we find that he's borrowed that from one of the Old Testament prophets. So if you just want to turn with me a couple of books across to the book of Zechariah, that's the penultimate book in the Old Testament. It's the last but one just behind Malachi. And we're going to look at chapter 9 and verse 2. I beg your pardon, chapter 10 and verse 2. Here we go. For the household gods utter nonsense and the diviners see lies. They tell false dreams and give empty consolation. Therefore, the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for lack of a shepherd. So the reason why they were wandering, the people were shepherdless, is because they had sought advice for their life. They'd sought guidance and direction in their life, really from anything and anyone except God himself, who was the one who wanted to guide them as his people. They were seeking it in the household gods. They were seeking it in the diviners, those people that could claim to predict the future and tell people what their lives um, would hold for them and, and give them a direction in life. They were told false dreams. And it always ends the same way, in empty consolation when things go wrong. In other words, life will go wrong. Things will happen to all of us. Life comes with its pressures and with its problems. And if we are looking to anything other than God himself for a direction in our lives, we will always be left only with empty consolation when things go wrong. You've got to ask the question, when things go wrong, what's the first thing we normally uh, think? And it is usually to ask the question, why? When things go wrong, people often say to us, don't they, why did this happen in my life? Why has that happened? We're always looking for purpose in what's happening in our lives. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that is because we are hardwired to look for purpose in things. We're hardwired to look for purpose in things because God has made us that way. You know, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3 and verse 11, it says this. It says, yet God made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. And what we're saying here is that actually all of us, even though we were born separated from God by sin, we still had something of eternity in our hearts. We were created that way still. But the trouble is, is that when you have a feeling of eternity, that there's a bigger purpose to everything, but you can't see what that purpose is. You can't see what the, the writer says is the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. The trouble is that builds a frustration in the blindness. In other words, knowing deep down that there's a purpose to life, but not seeing what the purpose is. And when things go wrong, not understanding why things go the way they do. You know, living with this blindness and the frustration that comes with it is what most people have to live with. And over time, they begin to feel harassed. They begin to feel that life is wearing them down. You know, when we come across people like that as believers, we are not supposed to give them all the answers we don't have all the answers, but there is one who does. There is one who is the author of life. There is one who designed life. 
And he is the one to whom we need to point people. See, as believers, we need to be signposts to the great shepherd. We need to show people and introduce people to Jesus, whom we've met, so that they can find that purpose in their lives. You know, before all of the lockdown happened um, uh, a while ago, we went to Blenheim Palace to take a tour of Blenheim Palace. We've been before and we decided to go again. And um, like lots of stately homes, you go around with a headset um, and a a little um, player of some kind. And it tells you as you're going along about what you're seeing. So like lots of places, there were, um, they have numbers all around as you're walking along and you find the number and you press it on your device and then it plays you a small commentary to tell you and give you more information about what you're looking at. Well, listening to this commentary, um, I came across a big clock that was in one of the rooms, a beautiful ornate clock. And uh, there was a number next to it, so I pressed the number. I thought, okay, I'm interested. Let's see what it has to say about this clock. And what came on was the voice of someone who introduced himself as the clockmaker. He was someone who worked at Blenheim Palace for many years. And he said, over that time, I have mended nearly all of the 100 or so clocks at Blenheim Palace. At one time or another, he said, all of them have needed repairing. He said, all of them get dirt uh, and um, dust inside their inside mechanism. In fact, he said, no matter how big the clock, no matter how well built it is, no matter how ornate it is, it always seems to get dirt inside the inner mechanism. He said that people just coming through um, uh, as visitors, just traipsing through, bring in dirt and dust from the outside, and that settles over time in the mechanism of every single clock. And then he said something which really interested me, which was, each of these clocks cannot be just given a bit more oil in the inner mechanism to keep them working. Some of them have been working for hundreds of years. He said, what we have to do is to take them apart, clean all the individual parts, and then put them back together again. And he said, when we put them back together again, they work perfectly well. He said, but over time, the dust and the dirt will build up and we have to repeat that process to keep them well and to keep them functioning as they're supposed to function. And it occurred to me listening to this that God is the author of life. Jesus is the author of life. And therefore, God has designed life for living. He knows each of us intimately. The psalmist said um, that when I was in my mother's womb, you saw me there. And when I was being knit together in my mother's womb, you were there with me. David knew that um, in the most in an innermost place, when he was being conceived and then woven together in his mother's womb, that God was there and could see his makeup. God could see his life from beginning to end. God knew the purpose of his life. God is that intimately involved with every single one of us. Whether you know him or don't know him today, he is that intimately involved in your life. He is the author of life. He's the only one that can take you apart and fix whatever's wrong and put you back together. He's the only one that can clean you fully and restore you to who he made you to be in the first place. And inevitably, life will come along and leave you feeling down and harassed. But the author of life is here to restore you to be all that you're meant to be. Isn't that a really wonderful thing that God does that in our lives? And he keeps restoring our souls. 
You know, the second word that Matthew uses um, here is not just harassed, but helpless. And again, this word um, has a little bit of extra meaning with it. Um, when I looked it up in other translations, some translations say dispirited. Some of them say scattered. Um, the Holman Christian Standard says worn out. Um, one of them says downcast or cast away. And there is much more than just the sense of helplessness here. There is also the sense of something, or in this case, someone feeling kind of discarded because it, they're all trying to translate a Greek word, which is ripto. And that word means to throw with a sudden motion, to, to cast forth, to cast down. And Jesus was looking at the crowd and he was seeing everyone, seeing what was going on in their souls and seeing that not just those in acute need, but all of them to some extent were feeling cast aside in life, cast down in life. You say, well, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, I think that to some extent, everyone feels that they are meant for more than often they're experiencing in life. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think everyone is looking for uh, an affirmation of their value and purpose in life. I think that's true of every society. It's true of our society. If you've only got to take one look at um, social media and you'll see that much of what drives the behaviour there is people seeking affirmation that they are loved, that they are accepted, that they're valued, that they're worth. And that is because there is a sense in all of us that we are worth something. But life doesn't always treat us that way, does it? In fact, often life and other people can treat us as if we're not worth something, as if we are to be cast aside. Except God, because Jesus came for the harassed and the helpless, for those that had been cast down. He came as one who would lift them up. And I believe everyone is born with a sense of destiny that comes from having eternity planted in our hearts, as we read. And because of that sense of eternity, we know that our lives are more meant for more than just the day-to-day -day stuff that we do, that we have an eternal destiny. And Jesus is the one who comes along and shows us what that eternal destiny is. You know, all of us were born separated from God. We couldn't know him. And I think all of us know that something isn't right. All of us know that we're born for more than this. And that's because eternity is in our hearts. But here's the wonderful thing. Jesus didn't just come to lift people up from a lowly place and just put them on a level with everybody else. He didn't come to equalise society. He came to show everyone, from the richest to the poorest, from those in need to those that have plenty, that actually their destiny is so much more than this world, that actually we are eternal, that we have an eternal destiny and purpose. And because of that, he came to lift us up from where we are and lift us up to where he is. You see, he's not just the restorer of souls, the author of life, but he is the lifter of heads. The psalmist David said this, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. In other words, David had known that God to lift his head and say, son, you are meant for much more than this. Let me show you the destiny that I have for you. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus and he says this, by grace you have been saved. And then he said that we've been raised up with Jesus 
and seated with him in the heavenly places. In other words, Jesus didn't just restore us as human beings, but he's taken us up into the heavenly realms. He's given us a position and a value that is far above anything we had dreamt of. The Apostle John says that he'd given us the right to be called children of God. And Jesus came for those of us, which is all of us, who were cast down because we were separated from God, not able to have a relationship with him. And Jesus lifted us up and has taken us to the Father and joined us back together with him. You know, one of my favourite writers, C.S. Lewis, he said this, he said, the Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. In other words, God's Son became a man so that we could become children of God. He took the human nature in all its ugliness, in all of its failure, in all of its shame, and he took it into himself and redeemed it and then took us to be restored with our Father God in heaven. And each of us have an eternal destiny. I don't know whether um, everyone listening to this message is a believer. If you don't believe in Jesus or if you're not following him, I just want you to know today that he is the restorer of souls. He's the one that can take you apart and put you back together again. And not only that, he is the lifter of heads. He's the one that will lift your head from where you're looking now and show you an eternal destiny that is far above anything you may have dreamt. To be part of God's family, to be part of an eternal kingdom that will never end so that when this world is gone, you will live on in this eternal kingdom with our Father God. If that's you this morning, I just want to urge you not to go another day without knowing Jesus as your saviour, because the shepherd is here and he's looking for lost sheep and you are one of those lost sheep. He's seen you, he's seen what's going on in your life and he's calling you today to his side so that he can restore you and lift your head. You can know him today and I just want to urge you to get in touch with us through any of the email addresses that we give. Please get in touch with us. We would love to talk to you about how to get to know Jesus today so that you can become part of his glorious kingdom. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.